Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. My name's Cody Brobst. I'm a third-year student out at Covenant Seminary, as Pastor Bob was saying, and uh, studying counseling and theology there. And our hopes are to be graduated by this next May. So uh, if you guys hear of any pastoral jobs that are available, please let me know uh, in a year. So um, yeah, I wanted to also point out, let's see, got the clicker here, yes. Uh, We're gonna be talking about wise words uh, from Proverbs 16. And uh, here, our uh, picture of some really important people. Uh, it's Courtney on the right, my wife. You don't know her already. And my mom is also joining us here on the left. Uh, it's Krista. And these are the three most important women in my life. And uh, because they are the three most important women in my life, they also understand that I am not an expert on wise words. They, better than anybody, have experienced the ugly side of Cody Brobst uh, behind closed doors. And so um, they know when I've been sarcastic and they know when I've said a critical word unfairly. They know uh, when I've been poor at receiving criticism myself uh, while I've been quick to deliver it. And so uh, one of the things that I think is important for people in ministry, people who are leading, people who are teaching, is that there's uh, this understanding that to talk about something means you must somehow be an expert on that topic. And, and so uh, sometimes it's necessary to preach a sermon out of desperation. And so uh, I want to preach this morning on this topic uh, because the Lord's been working in me and teaching me about this topic of, of wise speech. And I notice uh, Jim Spiegel there and, and some other people uh, that have a lot to offer uh, in terms of this topic of wisdom. So uh, don't make me too nervous while I talk about this. Um, there's a few people uh, that I want to point out, um, but before we do, I want to go ahead and begin in prayer. Wonderful counselor and, and holy Lord, Is there an area of our lives uh, that we need your help in more than our speech? And God, we come to you uh, asking that you bless uh, this preaching of your word from Proverbs 16, that you enlighten us uh, to your truths and that you uh, give us hope uh, to speak in a way that is honoring to you and in a way that blesses others. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So what is the story of your mouth? your lips, or your tongue. Stated differently, if all the words you've ever spoken were compiled and put into a book, what kind of novel would it be? For me, it would be a novel about insecurity. That uh, because, for whatever reason, I've questioned my value at different points in time, oftentimes I can speak to, to try to reclaim that value and, and prove that value. And so I say some things uh, in such a way to justify my own existence, uh, to give dignity to myself. And so I say words that are rash, I say words that are harmful, and I say words that are not well thought out. See, in world history, uh, it hasn't ultimately been big biceps or nuclear weapons that have changed the course of history, but actually words. Words are powerful. 
and they are a big part of what it means for us to be human. As a matter of fact, uh, if we look up here, Genghis Khan and Adolf Hitler, uh, many of you know, have used words to deceive people uh, and to cause harm to people. But we also know uh, that people such as Mother Teresa and Abraham Lincoln have used words to unite people, uh, to give life to people, to help people uh, in various things. It was actually the devil's craftiness with his words back in Genesis 3 that led to Adam and Eve um, taking the forbidden fruit in their own quest for wisdom. But the greatest exemplar of words, of course, is Jesus, God himself embodied. It was fitting that John, when he began his gospel, started off with, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. See, God was making a statement there that his final word of authority on all that the universe is meant to be, all that people are supposed to be, uh, the way that things were meant to be, is completely fulfilled in this second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. And so uh, it's no secret that we have hearts that are prone to wonder. As James says, uh, know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Jesus didn't have a problem with that. Jesus did a great job with that. However, for us, we read that, and uh, if we're wise, we can see very quickly that uh, these things don't commonly characterize our lives. But Jesus has captivated even non-Christians for millennia because of his wise and timely words. And because Jesus is writing a story through our lives, our words must be wise as well. Because Jesus is using you to bring redemption to a broken and fallen world, he wants to actually use your words to impact the lives of other people. And thankfully, God's given us the Bible. And so uh, we're going to take a look at Proverbs 16. Now, just as a quick aside, um, this single topic um, of words could be something we talk about for weeks and weeks. So uh, the sermon this morning is sort of like visiting Washington, D.C. in a day. You can do it, and it's better that you go to D.C. than to not go to D.C., but it would be ideal that you would spend three or four weeks uh, seeing all that there is to see here. So uh, as you're turning to Proverbs 16... Uh, let me just go ahead and say a couple things about the book of Proverbs. So uh, it can easily be confused, and so a few preliminary things. Uh, in chapters 1 and 2 of Proverbs, uh, those are sort of the eyeglasses with which we're supposed to see the rest of the book. Uh, this fatherly figure is instructing his son and, and saying, hey, if you will be wise, here is the way that you should go. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and fools despise knowledge. And so uh, this, this lady wisdom is this figure that keeps getting pictured again and again. And so on the one hand, we see that wisdom is something that we should seek after. Uh, so that second verse there, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. So it's kind of like losing a purse or a wallet. When you lose your purse or your wallet, wouldn't you do just about anything to find where that thing went. Uh, Courtney can attest, I lose my wallet all the time, and it's usually, you know, within arm's reach, but uh, it's something that as soon as I know that I've lost it, I'm like, okay, <laughs> where did that thing go? 
That's how we should feel about wisdom. Uh, when, when, when we've gained wisdom, when we've taken a hold of God's wisdom, uh, it should become a treasure to us. So much so that when we lose it or when we act foolish, we should be like, whoa, 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 where'd the wisdom go? <laughs> I want that back. So we need to seek it. We need to work hard to find it. But the promise of Proverbs is that if you seek it, you'll get it. It's easy to find. So uh, Lady Wisdom is literally crying aloud in the streets, and in the marketplaces, she raises her voice. And so you got to work for it. you got to seek it. you got to want it. If you do, you'll get it. It's easy. These are also general truths. So uh, Proverbs is a collection of sayings uh, that um, were for the people of Israel. So just as the Psalms were meant to be sung, the Proverbs are meant to be memorized. Uh, Proverbs are little sayings, and uh, three, three ways you can kind of remember a proverb. They're few in words, so short words. Uh, they are good sense, so common sense for daily living, and uh, they create a fine image, so they uh, picture something for you. You're supposed to be thinking about a situation uh, where this thing would occur. And so these are general truths. There are times where you'll read through the book of Proverbs and it'll seem like two things are clashing or contradicting. It's just that they apply in different situations. So sometimes one particular proverb is going to work better in one situation and sometimes the other one that seems to contradict it, it's, it's really two truths and two different situations. I'm also going to be moving from one verse to the next. And so uh, if, you've, if you've been trained in Bible or uh, if you've been going to New Life for any amount of time um, and listened to the preaching here, you know that it's not a good practice generally just to cherry pick a verse and, and to try to teach a bunch of things uh, on individual verses. I would say this is the one book of the Bible that you could probably get away with a little bit of cherry picking. It, it's sort of like a sock drawer. Now, these are not my socks. I want to make that clear. But socks, uh, sometimes, you know, your, your drawer's organized. You put the pairs together. Uh, maybe, you know, the cotton socks go with the cotton socks, and, you know, the colors go with the colors. But overall, they're just tossed in the drawer. There's, there's organization to them. There's an intent to them. But they were just tossed in the drawer. How do we use them? Well, verbs uh, are poetry. So uh, there's not a lot of time to go into uh, all the things that are needed in, in interpreting poetry, but uh, as you know, uh, Proverbs is wisdom literature. And so uh, wisdom literature, um, let's see here, there's a, a definition of biblical wisdom that I've fallen in love with. It's uh, one of my professors over at Covenant, Dr. Jack Collins, and he says this, biblical wisdom is skill in the art of godly living. So skill in the art of godly living. And so stated uh, more fully, this basically means that we obey God's commandments, we have respect for who God is, and we learn humbly. And so we believe that this then results in righteousness, but we also believe that it results in a lot of blessings. So those blessings can be natural, uh, such as you avoid a lot of pain, <laughs> you avoid a lot of foolish outcomes, but it can also be supernatural. Uh, we, we guard you know, against uh, the prosperity gospel, which uh, basically says that if you just have enough faith, then uh, God will just give you a big house, a big car. He doesn't promise that. Uh, the, the Christian life is actually full of a lot of suffering. But 
let's not shy away from the fact that God might actually bless us uh, with material things, that God actually delights in providing for his children and caring for them. And so uh, while this might make us nervous, I I think there's also a sense in which some of these Proverbs actually talk about supernatural blessing, supernatural care for God's people. So Proverbs, uh, they, they can speak about everyday experiences. So a penny saved is a penny earned. They can uh, be a witty response to to a situation. Uh, Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Or uh, they might be to speak about uh, the wise. And so uh, if you think you're too small to make a difference, you haven't spent a night with a mosquito. So uh, Proverbs are are meant to be, uh, the the reason I say a lot of these things is because they are just so easy to, to misinterpret, so easy to confuse. And so... Uh, the, the way that I um, love to think about the Proverbs is uh, Bruce Lee talks about this one-inch punch. And so uh, Bruce Lee basically uh, stands in front of either like a, a wooden board or, or another person, and he's got his fist here, and he's ready to punch. And, you know, normally when you think of someone punching someone really strongly, you think of them whipping, you know, all this, all this effort behind them. But Bruce Lee talks about the one-inch punch, where he's standing here and all of the mu- he, he's able to, to draw from all of the muscles in his body and all of the force behind his entire body comes through so that he just punches one inch. And the force is magnificent. The, the impact is huge. It's the Proverbs. The Proverbs are this little small saying, but they have all this weight packed into this little space. And so oftentimes using Proverbs can be a lot more powerful than say a five or eight paragraph long Facebook rant. <laughs> so uh, maybe as good practice, um, one, of, one of the things that I notice about some of, the, some of the wise people in my life is oftentimes they'll just post one line, uh, just something really small, and I'm a wordy person, so I like to qualify everything, I like to explain everything, but uh, these proverbs show that there's a lot of power that can be found in just a simple short statement. So let's dive in. Today we're going to be looking at two things. I want to talk about uh, the poisonous nature of wicked words, and then we're going to talk about the powerful nature of wise words. So, if you're already there, we're going to be looking at Proverbs 16, and I want to start with verse 28. 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Verse 30, whoever winks his eyes plans dishonest things. He who purses his lips brings evil to pass. And so the first thing we notice here about the poisonous nature of wicked words is that they deceive. The wicked words deceive. And so you'll see uh, the word man here a lot. Uh, For our women, our sisters in the room, just note that this is a representative figure uh, from the ancient Near East. And actually, all these men in these Proverbs are wicked, so this actually plays into your advantage a little bit. Uh, These are uh, not uh, people to uh, want to be. So uh, the wicked man is often connected to the fool throughout Proverbs. And their words are poisonous because they go down bitter. And their intent is not good. So a dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Imagine a man in the first half of the verse that doesn't tell the truth. He causes dissensions and quarrels. And in the second half, 
Uh, if we notice that word whisperer there, that's actually uh, the word for uh, backbiter. And so uh, we notice that this person causes disagreements between two people who otherwise would be close friends. And so the issue with this person, it, it, this proverb is not at all about the two people fighting. It's actually about the person causing the fight. It's about this person who schemes and plans and plots to divide people. Uh, this person who is a whisperer separates close friends. Proverbs 6.19 says, The Lord hates a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. Out of some personal gain or bitterness, this person gets a high off of separating people. If we look at verse 30, we see that word dishonest show up again. Uh, I'd broaden telling lies to a a, a total state of corruption. Uh, This person uh, purses their lips. So there's uh, nothing wrong inherently with pursing lips or winking eyes, but this is, this is a symbol for uh, the things that people do when they carry out crimes, for example. And so uh, this is a warning for us to not be that guy, to not be the person who schemes and plans to divide people, to, to be that person who gets a high off of uh, what we call gossip. And so talking about other people, uh, getting people to not like someone they might otherwise have really liked. Wicked words deceive, but stated more strongly, this evil actually causes harm. And so I want to move on to a few more Proverbs. Uh, We're going to look at verses 27 and 29. A worthless man plots evil. His speech is like a scorching fire. Verse 29, a man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. We have to ask, what's the relationship between the two halves of each of these Proverbs? Uh, This uh, first half is basically imagining a man who plots evil. And so it's it's talking about what's going on inside of him. He's thinking, he's he's stirring in, he's uh, storing up. This word for plot is actually uh, dig up. So this man is digging up and storing up this anger, this wrath, and when it comes out, his speech is a scorching fire, so he burns everything in his path. You ever known somebody like that? Store up so much wrath and bitterness inside that when it finally comes out in words, it just burns, just takes out everybody. Just confess from James 3, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Verse 29, this paints an even more obvious picture of harm. Uh, There's a person who seduces and tempts and drags along, a a person who encourages people to sin. So uh, in order to encourage someone to sin fully, you must bring them to a particular place where that sin is carried out. And so I want to argue with verse 29 that um, as Uh, Verse 25 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And so this man of violence entices his neighbor, and he tries to bring them to this place uh, where a lot of harm is done. And so words shape us. Words influence us. Words bring us places, and they can bring us to a place of great harm. And so in how they're received, both in how they're given, uh, this is a subtle warning for us. Uh, about eternity, that uh, the things that are said now that cause harm actually can cause harm for an eternity. 
Uh, these are not just momentary things. Let me finish this phrase. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Psychology Today uh, put out an article in 2011 titled, Sticks and Stones May Break My Bones, But Words Actually Cut Deeply. And uh, the, the article was about verbal bullying. And I was reading in the process about uh, this little boy, Peyton James. And Peyton James uh, was a short and scrawny guy, red hair, freckles. Uh, he was on an oxygen tank for the first month of his life. And uh, due to the way that the oxygen affected his mouth, uh, it actually, when his teeth came in, it caused the enamel to be discolored. And uh, Peyton uh, had ADHD. So when he was in class, didn't perform very well in school, and people made fun of him. People taunted him. People called him all kinds of names. And uh, there was a point where it came out that he was also a Christian. And so Peyton on the cafeteria would uh, be mocked. Uh, people uh, threw all kinds of insults at him and hurled taunts. And he had wonderful loving parents, but they had just divorced a couple years before. And so uh, even though his parents were loving and they encouraged him and, and they talked to him, uh, the pain of what was going on with these students at school was too much. And so Peyton hung himself. Peyton went into his room and uh, at some point decided that these words were so poisonous, they were so deceitful and harmful, that he took his life. How could it be? And how could we think that our words don't affect people? How could it be that we think when we say things that it's just not that big of a deal? It seems a little boy who was only 13 years old, <laughs> who had his whole life ahead of him, lived were kids to have spoken words of encouragement, words of hope, words of care for him. But instead, they played on his weaknesses, haunted him, and they taunted him to his death. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words affect us deeply. So this is a matter of life and death, and that's why this topic has become so important to me. This is a, a topic that I'm passionate about because I know that the stakes are high, and that uh, when we speak words, that we need to choose them wisely because they have consequences like this. So used poorly, our words can greatly damage relationships. But on the other hand, words are actually powerful and they can bring healing and truth and goodness to people. And so that's the second point I want to make is that uh, words have a powerful nature to teach and to help. So, uh, if you'll take a look with me, uh, verses 21 and 23. The wise of heart is called discerning, and the sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Heart of the wise is his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. And so I'm going to take both of these puppies together because they are essentially saying the same thing. Uh, in, in both of these proverbs, you start off with the wise of heart or the heart of the wise, his speech judicious is called discerning. And so uh, there's a certain kind of person, uh, there's a certain kind of character in someone's heart that leads them to speak in a certain way. And so uh, they, because of their discerning character, because of their thoughtful heart, words come out. And when those words come out, they're persuasive. Uh, people actually hear them and people respond to them. And so uh, we all know those people in our lives that are discerning, that 
uh, think before they speak, that uh, when they speak, it always seems to be so profound because it's like you never talk normally, but then you open your mouth and it's gold. Because there's certain people who have the gift of discernment. They, they are always considering what they say and when they say it, who they say it to, and the Lord blesses that. The Lord blesses the heart of the wise as a particular kind of person. And so, um, actually like the NIV translation here, uh, gracious words promote instruction. And so, uh, we're, we're attracted to these kinds of people. We want to listen to these kinds of people. So, uh, what these Proverbs are also calling us to be is, is that kind of person. Uh, be the kind of person who thinks before speaking. But we also see that uh, words uh, don't only teach and help uh, in our instruction and our learning, but they help us. And so let's take a look at these Proverbs. Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it. The instruction of fools is folly. And so to understand that proverb, we have to know a little bit about the ancient Near East. The ancient Near East, uh, water was a really important source of life. Uh, Water was a place uh, that, kind of like I was saying before about wisdom being treasured and doing anything possible to keep it. That's how the ancient Near East folks viewed their water. Their water source was really, really important, and so they guarded it. And uh, it says here, good sense is a fountain of life. Uh, the, the person who has good sense treasures good wisdom. But the instruction of fools is folly. And so even if the fool knows that this instruction is going to be good for him, he resists it. He, he, refuse, he refuses uh, to, to implement it and to make it a part of his life. And so you're, you're essentially wasting your time. So the, the proverb here is saying uh, to instruct fools is folly. Uh, they, they simply won't hear what you have to say. The fool perpetually punishes himself, and he causes himself a lot of pain. So the question for us is, do you treasure wisdom when you get it? When there's someone in your life who's wise, do you listen to them? Or do you immediately assume, no, I'm good. I don't need to hear from you. Our final proverb here in verse 24 and now, mind you, the, the reason I'm kind of flying through these is because I think these are speaking to this idea of powerful words, wise words, versus poisonous words, wicked words, but there's a lot here. Each individual proverb, you could probably spend hours understanding and diving into, and so there's a lot of, lot of heavy stuff here, but I want to at least gloss over some of these key proverbs. So our final one, verse 24. Sweetness is often associated with honey in Scripture. And so this proverb is talking about a sense of nourishment. And so uh, this idea that when these words are spoken, they give life. They they heal. Uh, They're sweetness to the soul, health to the body. Another proverb, uh, 1530, says good news refreshes the bones. So uh, certain words are restorative. They're they're gracious. They're kind. They're helpful. they, They counsel. Uh, they move you on towards good things. And even to the point that this proverb seems to be claiming, physical health is even part of the equation. That certain words, when they're spoken, actually prolong our livelihood. So uh, some of you know Andrew Augenstein. 
Uh, Andrew Augustine is a, a dear, close friend of mine, and he attended New Life with his wife here, and, and they live in Florida. He gave me permission uh, to share this, but uh, when his mom was a little girl, uh, her mom, Andrew's grandma, advised her against riding with these girls to school. And these were uh, people that she enjoyed hanging around, but Andrew's mom uh, knew that these girls were bad news. Uh, they were crazy drivers was, was one major thing. And so Andrew's grandma uh, sat Andrew's mom down to have a conversation with her and, and essentially said, hey, I know you like these girls and I know you have fun with them, but I love you too much to let you ride in a car with them. I think they drive dangerously. This is not a punishment in any way. This is not me trying to withhold fun or enjoyment from you. I care about you a lot, and I want to see you safe. So I just want to ask that you would ride the bus, and I know your best friend is, is riding with these girls, but I want to ask that you would just ride the bus. And so uh, Andrew's mom uh, was kind of frustrated by the, the decision on her mom's part, but she rode the bus. And uh, it wasn't too long after that that these girls uh, who drove crazily ended up in a horrific car accident. And Andrew's mom's best friend died in that car accident. So this is a classic example of how wise words given from a mother to a daughter actually saved her daughter from what could have been a fatal car accident. And so this is what I mean when I say gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. So used well, words can greatly improve our close relationships, and they can also increase our witness. One of the difficult things about this is we disagree with people. And so uh, it's no secret in an election season uh, that uh, there are people that we disagree with. Uh, there are people uh, in our lives that view things very differently than we do, and so uh, we want to correct them. We have the urge to change their mind, uh, to, to help them just see things from my perspective. And uh, what the Proverbs seem to lead me to is the idea that there's a way for us to keep our convictions. There's a way for us to, to hold on to truth while still being a particular kind of person. While still being a person who, because on the inside, my heart is connected to God in a way that fears him and in a way that loves other people. It actually informs that I speak kindly to everybody. Everybody, no matter how different, no matter how crazy their Facebook post is, no matter how frustrating it is that their uh, favorite political candidate uh, is not mine, that there's still a way to actually be a particular kind of person that speaks kind words, gracious words, to everybody. So think about those people in your life that are difficult. Think about the people that you disagree with. Think about the people that just get on your nerves and they just say that thing and, and you just have all this bottled up energy inside and you just want to let it all out on them. Proverbs seem to be saying that uh, the wise person will consider gracious words. The wise person will love in such a way that they can even affirm in the lives of people that they disagree with and even affirm the goodness of God because all people are made in God's image. All people God loves and delights in and wants to be in a relationship with him. 
And so there's a way that we can do this. And I really can't put it better than, uh, well, yeah, one does not simply talk about politics without getting angry. Then there's the uh, enter key there on the keyboard, uh, meaning more. Um, Scott Saul says it this way. We be so conservative in our theology that we become liberal in our loving. And so uh, the more, what he's saying is the more you love the Bible, the more the wisdom in this book captivates your heart, or it doesn't actually lead you to correct people and change people's perspectives, but it actually leads you to love them and be kind to them and affirm God's good qualities in their lives. Of course, don't hear what I'm not saying here. This doesn't mean that we don't correct people. It doesn't mean that there's not a time and a place uh, to uh, say, yeah, I, I just don't think that that's the truth. Generally speaking, this is a character issue, uh, and, and it, it leads to very practical things. Now, if we do this, if we take Scott Sauls seriously, and we become conservative in our theology, and then we become liberal in our loving, what that actually leads us to is, is confusion. Um, we we become misunderstood by a lot of people. People begin to get the wrong idea. They want to try to figure us out. Wait, how is it that you hold on to these truths, you believe the Bible is saying certain things, and yet you, you seem to affirm these things in my life, and you seem to, to love me? And it's Jesus. That's exactly the kind of person that Jesus is. Jesus uh, was called liberal by the conservatives, and he was called conservative by the liberals. Uh, the, the people in Jesus' life, but both the, the prostitutes and the tax collectors and, and the Pharisees, they all had this idea of, of who Jesus was and the kind of person that he was because his words were easily misunderstood. And so uh, when you live wisely, there's no promise here that you'll actually be understood. And so as Christians, we have uh, a, a remarkable opportunity here. 33 years of living and Jesus spoke perfectly all the time. Every word that came out of his mouth was always spoken at just the right time to just the right people in just the right circumstances. How hard it is for us to do the same. When we think about Jesus on the cross, people mocked him, they hurled insults, they wagged their heads, and... Uh, the, the use of words <laughs> against uh, the king of the universe. The use of poisonous words killed our Savior. The use of insults uh, actually led uh, people like Judas to betray Jesus, uh, led uh, Peter to deny Jesus, led Thomas perhaps even to doubt. And so words are powerful. So uh, when we stand in the presence of this God, the, one of the things that we see is that uh, being wise doesn't actually lead you to be popular. As a matter of fact, uh, wisdom led Jesus to the cross. And so there's no promise in this world that if you actually take these Proverbs seriously, that it will give you worldly praise, that uh, the people in your lives will appreciate you. As a matter of fact, uh, it might be just the opposite. When you stand in the presence of a God who speaks perfectly all the time, when you stand in the presence of a God like that, it's pretty hard to hate people. It becomes pretty difficult when you stand in the presence of perfect wisdom to speak foolishly, to speak rashly, to say things 
that are unkind. So I want to invite you uh, to meet this Jesus and to, to learn from him, uh, to learn uh, from his wisdom. And if you're not a Christian today, I, I invite you uh, to be a part of this journey and, and learning about skill and the art of godly living. Let me just close with a few takeaways here. What does this mean for our lives? Well, uh, one of the things that I'd like to invite us all to do is to actually implement this in a relationship, someone that we know. Uh, ask them these two questions, uh, even this week. Just find a time and ask, what do you think about how I talk to people? Second question, am I a safe place to bring constructive criticism to? So think about that for a second. We're just going to take a moment think about those two questions. Now I asked those two questions of Courtney uh, this last week, and I was a little bit nervous about asking her, and the, the response that I got was a helpful one. Uh, there were some things that I expected to hear, but uh, some things that I didn't expect to hear as well. And so um, she gave me some encouragement in typical Courtney fashion. Uh, but uh, when she answered the questions, uh, essentially uh, she said, you know, Cody, it seems like uh, it's, it's easy for you to give criticism. Uh, it's easy for you to find faults and to find holes in something that I'm saying or something that I'm doing. But when I give criticism to you, uh, it seems like it's very easy to, to provide a reason or, or a justification behind that. So uh, this is another way of saying I can, I can take it uh, or I can't take it, but I'm, I'm very quick to dish it out. And so uh, I'm going to be thinking about that. I'm going to be uh, taking that before the Lord and, and seeking to apply that better to my life, to, to not be a critical person. I, I don't want to be a critical person. I don't want to be known for that. <laughs> and you don't either. So finally, uh, I asked a few of you in this room, what do you consider to be wise words? And so uh, people in this room, uh, this is how you answered the question. Wise words are true, kind, and necessary. Wise words are timely. There's a place for everything. Wise words are few, so not ranty. Wise words are practical. Wise words are self-controlled. Wise words seek to understand rather than trying to be understood. Words are humble and patient. Wise words tell a better story than what's being told around you even if that means having a sense of humor. And wise words represent God and his word with joy. And so we ask, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to make these things a part of our lives. Would we, every time we speak, it be these things? So, on the, the exhorting wise words of the Apostle Paul, from Ephesians 4.29, no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, may give grace to those who hear. Pray. God, would you help us to tell a better story? You help us, Lord, to uh, bring beauty uh, to the world uh, with our tongues, with our lips, our mouths. And Lord, for those in this room who are in pain and suffering because of words said to them by another person, whether that be someone close or someone not. Uh, Lord, we mourn that. We, we grieve uh, that uh, the words that you give us as a gift, the mouths that we are uh, not entitled to, can be used so often to, to do damage. 
But Lord, we also thank you uh, that you've uh, used words in our lives uh, to, to encourage us, to heal us, uh, to, to make us new. And so, Lord, would we follow in your example um, people uh, who speak after your own heart. Make us wise, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.